purpose, Dan. It's not like I sit there and... Oh, it is. I mean, everything that was said before could be edited out. It's not like they're going to be... Everybody's going to be upset because... We are going through statistics to find like out can, about our do, one listener. I could do what you. <laughs> I what? could start doing if we did a video podcast. I could do what they do on the wrestling podcast that I used to listen to. Yeah, where they have G Raff sit in for the people that don't have cameras. And 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 what is G Raff? Is it G Raff? Is this stuffed giraffe? Yeah. That sits in the corner of the room, and they just focus on G Raff when the other person is talking. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> You'd have have something like that for me, yeah. Because because my camera's funky. I'll, I'll get it fixed. I promise. I'll I'll either like pull this thing apart now that I find, I did find the tools while I was cleaning the office. Um, it should still be loose, I think. No, no, I know. I have to I have to unscrew the bottom part to be able to pull it up to get the. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I tried. Trust me. Okay. I did. You have yeah. to you had to pull off you had to pull off the plastic and then you had to pull off the screws to be able to get into the one part to be able to pull it up. Oh, so I maybe didn't do it then. No. I wasn't I never did this thing before. I think it's I mean, still loose for you. Huh? What? Well anyway, okay. Enough I enough know that talk. Enough of that. Enough of that. I'll figure now it out. Back to back to our statistics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can start recording now. It's it fine. is recording now. No, I never stopped. It is. Oh my god. Why? All right. Well, this is that's why I, because this is the important stuff that people want to know, Dan. This is the worst start of the podcast ever. This no, this is the best start. This is the real start. This is this is real talk. This is the this is this is these funny are the things book. people want to know. They um, want to know this funny about Funny Book Forensics. This they is, want to know is... that I made a, I've got a broken computer for Greg, and it took me months, months to fix it. We bought two different <laughs> screens for it. We finally got one that works. I put it all together at one point, and the gravitational sensor didn't work, and the screen would just be sideways all the time. <laughs> And then I took it back apart again <laughs> and I got that to work. But yes! then the touchscreen thing, uh, the touchscreen little ribbon was, was split. So his touchscreen doesn't work. But it is an i7. And so it's much better than his old laptop. Super fast. It is super fast. And then somehow I taped over the camera. So when Greg is on screen, which is really great for a podcast for me to explain to you, Greg looks like I lit a fire in his house and he's standing <laughs> in the fire. It's it's super smoky. It's what it looks like. It just looks like. But see, that's the thing is like you you went through, you did all the work to get me a, a really fast, great production computer. And in all honesty, all those other things don't necessarily matter because everything I need it for, it does all those things. The things that it doesn't do because of those 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 minor things. Those are, you know, whatever. So when people want to talk to me and I, they want to see my face on the thing, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. This is what I look like. I did a whole entire like uh, Zoom meeting just like that. <laughs> of course you did. And I did. I, I think the best part is too, uh, all of our one listeners out there, if you want to reach out to GK Wordsmith or at GK Wordsmith on Twitter, 
and let Greg know how to set up an ancient 480p camera uh, <laughs> a USB port and get Windows 10 to recognize it since I, I know that every camera Greg owns came out of a bin at Goodwill. I, I was literally re-binning it back again. I was giving it back to Goodwill because like this thing is I I was I'm at the point where I want to just connect a connect. <laughs> I think what I'm going to do um, for these episodes, especially maybe for next week, if we do a watch along, yeah. is we should start a GoFundMe for Greg's camera. Let's see if we can raise <laughs> Greg $100 so he can buy a basic Logitech camera and attach it to the top of his laptop screen. And then he could have it there instead of the old camera and GoFundMe for Greg. I, I this is make, now making me want to just pull the computer apart and try to fix the existing thing. So we could do I, a live I, I, repair session. No, where no we're both on Zoom. I'll get stressed out and I'll break this thing, and I'll be talking you through the repair, which will make it even more stressful. Very, very. Well, we're talking about the city on the edge of forever. Uh, yes. And if you were a Star Trek character, who would you be and why? Original series only. Who, me? Yeah, original Don't series wait. only. <laughs> wait, so you're going to take somebody who was never on the actual TV show. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that yet. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> this comic is not the actual show we'll watch next. What? Jeez, Dan, how could you do that to me? That's the words of the original teleplay. Oh, my gosh. Who who would I be? Yeah, oh, at least give us a mainline character. A mainline character. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'd be... Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I, 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 always, I always liked Scotty as a kid just because he was just so funny to me. But uh, just the fact that he lived in Seattle, yeah, made it even better. So I, I don't know. I'm probably yeah, probably Scotty. And didn't SpaceX like take his ashes into space? Probably. I wouldn't doubt it. They they probably did. I mean, I know for a long time you could ride the monorail, and when he was alive, if you were lucky enough on one of the days he was riding it, um, you could he would he would like you know just say hey how's it going. Because he would ride, he'd be riding the monorail around the city. You know, it only went from here to there, but you know, that's what he did in his days. So. Yeah. Well, I would want to be Khan, Nooney, and Singh. Oh. And why? Well, because he, you know, destroys everything and takes over the world and the universe and stuff. Like, and you just, who you doesn't just, want to be that? Who doesn't want to be that? <laughs> Yeah. Here, I just want to be a guy that makes everybody laugh and it's just super nice. And you just want, you want to destroy everything. Wow. Wow. I want everybody to bend to my will. Gee. It seems completely reasonable. I don't totally. know why you're questioning this. I, I, I'm not questioning it. I, I, I just, I, I, I ask why, not for me, but for our one listener. That's fair. They might want to know. Uh, well, that's unfortunate that they want to know why i mean if they've watched it everybody wants to be con right it's like everybody wants to be con 
My alarm clock is going off. Oh my god. Sorry. Was that the alarm <laughs> clock to record the podcast since we started early? Yes. It's good to know. Now we're on time. <laughs> we have started on time. Yeah. We started. From our undisclosed bunkers. Uh, yes. Somewhere outside of the Seattle-Tacoma area. Yes. Well, we made it all the way to issue five of this magnificent tale. And uh, that, of course, was uh, originally written by Harlan Ellison and adapted by Scott and David Tipton, art by J.K. Woodward, letters by Neil Yutake. I've said his name differently each podcast. So, Neil, reach out to us and let me know how dumb I am because I can't say your name. (laughs) Editor Chris Ryell. And, of course, we have... uh, at least the main covers by a one Ortiz. So great stuff here. And we have been loving this so far. Oh yeah. It's super good. It so is I, super good. I found something interesting. Oh uh, really? Which yeah. fine. So, you know, since we have the non Snyder cut episodes here. Yeah. Yeah. The Harlan Allison cut. Mm-hmm. I found out that the Snyder cut is going to be four hours long, four hours long. That's longer than Titanic. Oh, that's longer than Gone with the Wind, isn't it? It's longer than Glory. Glory and Glory had a um, intermission, and I've watched that movie a, a lot of times. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, of of that movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had to watch it for history class, like two well, or three Glory. times. Glory, I wasn't talking about oh. Glory. Glory is a good movie. I'm yeah. talking about Snyder Cut. Yeah, and there's probably Before no Gone with the Wind. Because Gone with the Wind is a terrible piece of cinema. Oh man! I, so oh, Snyder Cut. Oh, oh. So Snyder Cut. Oh, I rolled over my slaves. This is a fun movie. Uh, no, not fun. Not fun. Snyder Cut's four hours. Why? Well. I don't know. Maybe the Harlan Ellison cut would have been, you know, like they, it, oh, the Harlan Ellison. Hours. The Harlan Ellison cut would have been episodes, days, weeks. What well, could have been two episodes, probably, right? I, I mean, um, if it was made this day and okay. age, they would have clearly made this into a couple episodes, right? They would have mm. split up the first two issues that we covered. Probably yeah, got them to the, you know, it's a couple cover. hundred pages. Yeah, I mean, uh, like a page. A, a page equals a minute in film time, roughly in runtime. So you're looking at. So they would have had to cut hundred. it down to 40. What is it? It would have been a feature film, dude. <laughs> or no, no, sorry. Is it how long? Is, how long is it? It's 21, 42 minutes times two. So it would have had to cut it down to 82 minutes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do, I do, I could totally see this as a two-part episode, though, right? If this this had been done even in the '80s, it definitely would have been done as a two-part episode. It it could have been a two-part episode, or it could have been one of their feature films. Think about that. That's true. Imagine if they had they had Star Wars, or Star Wars. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Uh, you know when Captain Kirk was like flying the Millennium Falcon? You know, it was great. <laughs> that was my favorite. I know. And he no. They had they had Star Trek. They had Star Trek 2. And in between that. What was Star Trek 2, Greg? No, but in between. And what was Star Trek 2, Greg? The Wrath of Khan. Thank you. 
And in between that, yes, I know it's your movie. I was trying to, and this is my episode. So yeah. Oh my God. You're going to destroy it. (laughs) I destroy all fun. That's why I want to con. You're the fun destroyer. He's Dan, the fun destroyer. So in between two and three, we create a new number. And that's where we put the city on the edge of forever. Why? Why don't we just replace three with the city on the edge of forever? No, 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 no. Hear me out. You put this one in in between because of the time stream. Um, because sure. that makes total sense. It does because Khan wants to destroy everything. And then There's actually have... an amazing, uh, two books, uh, where they actually cover Khan's early life. And he's actually a nice guy who just wants to sell insurance. No, he's not he's a nice a good guy family. at all. He's a genetically engineered human that takes over like the Pan-Asian continent and tries to take over the world. So he's a bad guy from the beginning. Yeah, bad pretty much for life. <laughs> and the amazing thing about that novel is they feature Gary Seven in the novel. Greg Cox actually wrote it. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's called Star Trek: Eugenics Wars. I love that book. Um, it's a two-parter. Apparently, he wrote another one called To Rain in Hell, which I haven't read. You know, looking these up. But the, is this a novel novel or yeah, the Star Trek, it's the eugenics wars is a two part novel novel focusing on Khan Noonien Singh uh, before World War three in Star Trek timeline. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it's amazing. Um, huh. Greg Cox, of course, is a, a notorious notorious. That's the wrong word. Greg, sorry, is a phenomenal pulp writer. Uh, he's written many, many things. He could be a notorious um, pulp Star Trek and Star Wars universes, right? Wait, he's done both. Star yep. Trek and Star Wars, all of the stars. A lot of them have crossed over. That's, you know, just the way it is. That's the fault in the stars, man. Uh, but yeah, it's so good stuff there. But we are not focused on Khan. We are focused on, well, Kirk. Kirk. Spock. Spock. In the city and the edge of forever. And of course, we left off issue four where Kirk and Spock got in a fight and they left disagreeing over whether or not should we call her Kirk's girlfriend at this point? Um, yeah, Kirk's girlfriend. Yeah. Whether Edith Keeler with the sun and the moon and the stars. Yep. Should die. And, uh, they split. And of course it's always good to split up when you are in, uh, back in time oh, uh, yeah. because that's when Beckwith comes out of the shadows Overpowers Mr. Spock again, again, takes the phaser away that he was going to use to kill Edith Keeler, potentially, and uh, starts shooting at him. And, that, and that's where we leave off. And we get to issue five. Issue five. And we get another beautiful cover by Juan Ortiz. Mm-hmm. I love these retro covers. They do look so cool. I like I, I like how they have all those different things incorporated into the the hair, I guess, you know? Yep. The, well, they just look like sci-fi covers from the 60s, oh, right? I for mean, sure. It, it's very cool retro art. Um, 
And so it's, it's nifty stuff. And we turn the page and we get a sign about uh, 1916. You say what? Well, we have a sign about 1916. Oh, 1916. I thought you said 1960. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Verdun was uh, a little earlier than 1960. But yes, 1916. Yes, correct. Yeah, so we have a war veteran uh, selling apples and pencils. Yeah. Okay. And uh, of course they come up and he's being talked to by a mysterious figure. Ooh, mystery man. Who looks a lot like Captain Kirk. Oh, it is Captain Kirk. Hey, and Captain Kirk's basically just digging some information out of him and trying to... He's the kind to of guy that has information. Yep, and we get a three-page spread on this conversation, which yeah. is a, a long conversation. Oh, he's got a lot of information to share. He shows him his Starfleet badge, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, hey, got something to show you. <laughs> and so he finishes off, I think I can trust a man who fought at Verdun. So, okay. And then we get back into the story. So we know that Kirk's trying to buy off some information and trying to figure out where Beckwith is. And then we flip to a scene with Edith Keeler and Captain Kirk. (gasps) And they're having dinner. And these dinners seem to get more elaborate. Nice flowers on the table. Looks like they're having some cake. Cake. Nice. Yeah, it's a very... It's a, it's a nice, um, tender, tender evening. I think she makes him an angel food cake. Yeah. Ironically. Is that, and is that foreshadowing? Maybe. <laughs> food from an angel. Oh my. Well, she is supposed to be this angel. Supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here on earth. And, uh, she asks him, are you going away, Jim? And he says, perhaps I don't want to. And she says, it's that Chinese fellow, isn't it? Referring to Spock and the first time not referring to that in a racist way in the entire uh, five issues. And in all, he he says, in a way, I know him and he knows me all my life. I belong to other people. I know things will be cleaner, happier. I try to tell them so they'll wait, so they'll hope. But now I don't belong to anyone and I'm losing my own hope, Jim. Mm. So, interestingly enough, she seems worn out by her life dedicated to service, and Kirk seems worn out by his life dedicated to service. So I think we had a theme here, because that's what was happening in issue four. Yeah. Themes. Running rampant through these books. And it's interesting, because Kirk retorts back, you're right, uh, there are a million tomorrows. The one you believe in is the best one I know. Citing the fact, this kind of future of peace that she is sort of creating. I wouldn't say future yeah. of peace, more yeah. of a future of understanding, of yeah. caring, giving, helping. It wasn't really a future of peace, more of a future goodness. Yeah. When it, I mean, it, it's, it's out there, right? I mean, they predicted in this book, it's, it's coming. What is? 
the future peace. No, it wasn't predicted in this book at all. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler. I was trying to smooth over my mistake, and then you just blew it back up. Oh. It happens. It's okay. The two stories are close to each other. So, and by two stories, we're referring to the actual televised script and the script. So we get into back in the page, and Kirk comes back home, and Spock mentions that the little man without legs was here. Uh, and he thinks he's found Beckwith. So they go out into the alley and start looking around, which is always good because they're so far. It's what Beckwith 800, uh, Kirk and Spock zero inside of rock formations or alleys. Yes. (laughs) They, they seem to really not do so hot in any of these places, What they need to do. It's almost like Kirk's not trying to leave. Yeah. Almost. It's like his plans are are not up to par. He's got a reason to stick around. So they get out into the alley and um, they pay off some folks. And all of a sudden they start getting bombarded with garbage cans, some beautiful painted scenes. Uh, Kirk and the veteran are running away and the veteran gets disintegrated. Ah, always nice. Some good phaser fire. It's fun. And then Beckwith still going crazy. And finally, uh, Spock throws a garbage can at him. So in the foreign object count, we've got, let's see, we've got a crate on wheels. We've got a garbage can. I'm looking for the folding steel chair. I don't (laughs) see one. Uh, Is there a ladder? Foreign object. The phaser's down. Uh, Beckwith is running away. Kirk is now going for the phaser in classic television form. And now we get uh, this weird smoky glow uh, from where the wheelchair was. Hmm. Gone. And Spock asks why he did that for him. And Kirk says because he gave him $2. And they ask about Verdun. And then we flash to Edith Keeler. She's meeting with a bunch of people and she says, there are great times on the way, days of gold and nights of cool and sweet smelling. This isn't the only happiness this world turning under. This world turning under us. Look up tonight. See all out there. See them burning, smiling. Is this when the little mice sing? I think so. Like, Somewhere that's what I was thinking there. I just watched that movie yesterday at the store. Little Mouse, where are you? I love that movie. <laughs> I I honestly like Goes West better, but um, I think it's just because it's got Dom DeLuise and I have taste. Okay, well, they're both great movies. No, they are. They're, that's why I watched it. That's why I watched you yesterday. They're I both great movies. So I had to. It was just too good. Well, seeing Edith speaking, that spurs on another ca- conversation between Captain Kirk and Spock. And Spock mentions she speaks as though you've talked to her. And Kirk says she doesn't know who we are. 
and yet he mm. says her ideas are way ahead of their time. Yes. And I think we've confirmed that through the story. So I'll definitely acknowledge that side of what we were messing up earlier mm -hmm. is that her yeah. ideas seem to be ahead of their time, right? They, yeah. She's not speaking from a person who's, say, gearing up to go to war with the Nazis. No, no. She is She is just someone who wants – she wants goodness in the world and she wants people to see that there can be goodness and good things. By doing good things, you get good things. By um, being good, you shed the darkness of all the things that are keeping you in dark places and you're able to go and – be, have the light shine down on you. <laughs> and, I, and I will say too, for a compliment to Harlan Ellison, because this is very nuanced and Harlan Ellison in the original teleplay here places her in a time during the great depression. We don't really get a lot of focus on what's going on in the rest of the world. So we, if we look back a few issues, right? Like in issue two, or was it beginning of issue three? end of issue two mm -hmm. we have the folks speaking out against uh, for the evil foreigners right and kirk and spock have to run away and you know spock uh, you know the shopkeeper was racist toward him because of his perceived chinese heritage and yeah. we've had a lot of racism a lot of very anti uh, immigrant stances in the book um and then, and clearly in the Great Depression, and Edith is this sort of beacon of hope, right? She's saying, you know, don't be a victim, basically, like rise up above your circumstance, keep looking for the future, stay positive. Just a, a very unique figure in the time. And here she is uh, now, she has a little bit, now she's in love for the first time and her message, you know, is even stronger. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, when you when you're having good, good feelings inside you, you know, if it's, you know, whatever's driving your emotions, uh, and, and if it, you know, good or negative, it's going to, it's going to be seen and visible by those around you. And if you're, you're going to amplify that. So she's amplifying all those good things out there to the people. And so we flip the page and Edith sees Kirk. Uh, they look at each other from across the street. She waves. And we see Beckwith coming from around the corner. Uh, Edith wanders toward Kirk aimlessly out into the street. And then we get horrified faces from everybody. Kirk, Spock, and Beckwith looking down. And of course, a truck is coming on the street in the dark. And Beckwith tries to reach out for her. Kirk starts heading out into the street. And uh, Spock grabs Beckwith. And Edith Keeler is right in the middle of the truck and she's hit. Beautiful painted scenes here as I'm going through. Yeah, it's it is stunning and amazing. Like each and every panel, the, the detail, the looks on their faces, um, the the detail, um, just in every and all the little minute actions that the characters are doing is just wow. The last look on Edith's face as she's looking into the headlights of just sheer terror. Mm -hmm. It's more of sheer panic, I guess, but it's just it's such a great yeah. Still. With her and, and Kirk both, it, it's 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 probably that it's that 
the shared moment of them looking at each other that last moment and realizing that's it too. And the agony on Kirk's face. I, I think it's beautiful too, because you know, I don't, don't get me wrong. I, there's some blood and gore comics that I absolutely loved at points, but we don't have to have a drop of blood here. Like this is, Mm -hmm. you, you can tell everything just by the look on people's faces and then Kirk's agony. And then we have a scene where Kirk's face locked in that anguished look where he closes his eyes, right. To not see her die. Yeah. And you see the next page, you see an enterprise in the background with a painting on a star field. And he sort of fades into it. Like a, it almost looks like the weird squares from, uh, is that Superman two? (laughs) <laughs> he's in the zone it looks like the phantom zone squares yeah, yeah. It, it kind of does or or like when you go to the fair and you're riding that one cool ride that they tell you the gravitron when they say don't stand on the on the thing i don't ride everyone, i don't ride the gravitron dude then you have not lived you gotta ride the gravitron so i went to disneyland right before the lockdowns like way mm-hmm. back at the beginning of 2020 before we knew what was happening yeah, I'd never been to Disneyland before, and somebody talked me into going on that like Guardians Spin. of the Galaxy ride that just drops oh. you up and down. Oh, yeah, I was not happy. Oh. I told everybody no roller coasters, and I went on like Space Mountain like the first day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they snap your picture. Like, oh yeah, I just look like I look like Edith Keeler does in that that picture yeah and my friends somehow think this is really great and i'm just like i don't see how you could think this looks great i it's not just that i'm scared i look like i i look like you know (laughs) i'm dying right imagine on the drop on the guardians when the camera takes the picture what was your picture like was it just like like because that thing by then it was just sort of disgust like it was yeah i I didn't you know that you're going up to drop right down. <laughs> I, I did not like, yeah. Well, it, the guardians one drops up and down a lot too. Yeah. yeah I was, yeah, I was it's not ready. super thrilled. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of roller coasters. Um, yeah. Oh man. I, <sighs> if I can't climb to it myself, I'm not a big fan. Um, <laughs> so, so you going to like magic mountain and doing the Superman ride, not happening. That's probably not happening. Oh, it's so good though. As everyone says, let me, let me, let me hike up the mountain myself or climb it. You got to hike up myself and I'm fine. No, that's the thing though, is you have to hike through it to get to the ride. And then once you get on the ride, then you go and it's like super quick, but it's super fun. I did the Matterhorn. That was (sighs) tolerable. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess here, on Disneyland cast. <laughs> We've changed everybody. The old bait and switch podcast. That's right. You come for the funny book forensics, but we, we reel you in and we stop right in the middle of a star Trek episode and start talking Disney. That's right. Nothing but Disney cast. Go on, Dan. What else happened? Did I say Disney cast or did I say Disneyland cast? Disneyland cast. Oh no. Trademark. Sorry. You also just tried to link Star Trek to Disney again. And in the first episode, I told you you couldn't do that. Well, we were talking about Star Trek and then we swapped over because you swapped over. I didn't do that. You did it. 
Disney is not buying Star Trek. I, I'm not saying it. Well, I've never. <laughs> well, we get a look and Kirk uh, comes out of the portal <laughs> matrix uh, mountains, the city. And of lost. The, oh, in the city of the lost. And the guardians are back. Uh, the guardians of the galaxy. I mean, the guardians of Oa are back and time has resumed in such shape. They say what? Um, <laughs> Spock asks about the death of the cripple because Spock is uh, not caring? ableism and, or is uh, oh, he was I said caring. <laughs> he was, uh, they say he was negligible, which makes it even worse. Uh, but he found a uh, back with, uh, for us and he must've counted and they said he counted, but not enough to you, uh, in the eternal flow of the greater river. And so everything is the same as before. And they say everything. See, I think I disagree with these, these guys. I think that how he lost his legs was probably what earned him a spot in all of that time. Does that make sense? So sure. But it, yeah, but it didn't impact like it, it didn't impact the, like he wasn't, Edith changing people's lives on the corner of the street there. Maybe he changed someone's life before and his, and his moment was used already. Yeah. I I think that's fair. Right. I mean, I think if he died as a child, then we would have a different, we'd have a different problem. Maybe, or Kirk would have gone and found somebody else to (laughs) money to, to do something. I think it brings up a good question though. I mean, I think Spock brings up a good question. I think Harlan Ellison almost critiques his own script right there, right? Yeah, yeah. That question, which also I like that in sci-fi writing, right? I like yeah. it when a scriptwriter can point out or a prose writer can point out when they've created a flaw in their own scenario. Totally okay with that. It's a good, it is a good um, question to throw back and, and make you wonder because it makes, it, it make it made me take take 10 minutes to think about and ask the question of myself. So it made me become more invested in whatever it was. So yeah, it's a good, it was good. So, Spock, you, Harlan. so Spock goes, uh, or anyway, Spock doesn't really get his question answered. I guess he just gets him said that it's, you know, inconsequential gets rebuffed. <laughs> and now we're going to get into something that I love here in a second. Uh, because one of my favorite comic books ever played on this theme. What's that? Well, uh, let's look and see what happens next. What happens next? So Beckwith drives back, dives back into the vortex. Oh, that dumb, dumb. Because what was he thinking? Spock's holding him, and Spock and Kirk are defeated by Beckwith for the 900th time. Oh, this guy, what is he made of? What? <laughs> he just, like... He definitely, he was in the wrong, he was so much potential wasted and gone. Where, okay, so what happens to him? Where does well, he go? He, <laughs> he goes in and he screams and what? he went back. It was all for nothing. And they say, no, the vortex cannot be set to the exact same time twice. He was created a fracture and plunged into it. And they say, then where has he escaped? He says, not this time. He wanted forever. The vortex has given him forever. Like, 
the Mojus Strip that has no end. The cur that curves back onto itself eternally. He is locked in time. And uh, Spock says forever. He cannot escape. His forever will be in the heart of an exploding sun. A Nova, he has named his own doom. And I'm not exactly sure how that works, but uh, I will say one of my very favorite uh, Legion comics back when uh-huh. I was a kid, and then they yeah. a second Legion comic later, uh, were the appearances of the Infinite Man. And if you want to look back, that was Legion of Superheroes 233 from 1977 was the first appearance. And I will mention, too, because unfortunately, uh, only a few of the creators are still with us from that. But Mike Grell did the cover. Paul Levitz was the writer. And, of course, one of the early uh, female creators that had a lot of influence, Liz Berube, was the colorist of that book. And uh, James Sherman did the art. And so looking back at this, I'm only listing them because it's a beautiful book. I don't know if it's the best story ever, but they kind of explore the same concept. Uh, They shoot somebody into the time stream and he circles time in an infinite loop instead Uh of in a, as they were described, you know, so we're not looking at the beginning of time and the end of time. He goes to the end of the time and it circulates. It's the same concept they're exploring here, right? He will forever be in this heart of the exploding star. And it's even drawn circular, as you can Mm -hmm. see it. He's moving through. Yeah, I like I like the artwork. It looks really, really cool as his like face is like pulling apart and he's just yeah. And I also think it's neat this subtle touch in the story, how we've now like looked at time in a completely different way again. So we looked at time as being static, right? And then it was a river mm-hmm. and now it's this infinite you know, loop. Yeah. I feel like maybe Harlan Ellison had some influences from a British show, perhaps. He, maybe he might have. He might have had yeah, some. Influences. I wonder if he wrote Doctor Who. I actually don't know that. I don't know if he wrote any episodes. Well, we'll investigate that later. I'm sure someone will call us out on that. Our one listener will call us out. The one listener that we, we that, that rules them all. <laughs> the the one listener is actually you. You you're the only one downloading the show. <laughs> no. It's someone else. It is. It's John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. When Cthulhu calls, all the other podcasts bow down to <laughs> worship Cthulhu. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. That was Thank good. You, Mothership. Thank you, Mothership. We appreciate it. Oh, the Mothership has helped us yet again. It's great. It's good. So so, they go back and we get a nice feely, touchy feely scene between Spock and Kirk. Yeah. Uh, Kirk is really sad and uh, Spock is sad for him, but Spock's also very happy to be back with his ship. Mm -hmm. And Spock gives probably the best little monologue of the, of the episode of the teleplay, I should say. He said, on my world, the nights are very long. The sound of the silver birds against the sky is very sweet. My people know there's always time enough for everything. You could come with me for a rest. You would feel comfortable there. 
and he says, and Kirk says, all the time in the world. And Spock says, and filled with tomorrows. But you can tell me something I need to understand, something that defies logic. I would not intrude, but it troubles me. I believe that the phrase, it deeply troubles me, that you could not stop Beckwith. I understand that, but Beckwith, amoral, evil, a killer, selfish, and capable of anything. Why? And Kirk just says, why did he try to save her at the risk of his own life? And they explore the inherent goodness through the rest of their little discussion of people. Mm -hmm. And I think Spock's getting there, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely like this in this whole entire story uh, from beginning to end. Spock's human side and his and his emotion, like understanding emotions and becoming more emotional and, and connected to different things uh, is very apparent and wanting to understand uh, how things, why, how, and why things are and or will are working is, is very, I mean, it's very Spock, but it's like on this level, it's different. And he, and just in the fact that he greets uh, Kirk, uh, not as captain, but as Jim and, and is very personal and he's making, he, he's becoming very personal with him in a personal manner. Well, it's interesting too, because reading between the lines, you know, they mentioned this idea of, you know, noble deed, spark of impossible human goodness. And was Edith Keeler that spark? Like, did she bring that out in everybody? Mm. Right. They explore the idea of the, of the uh, trooper at Verdun, the veteran. Yeah. uh, Being negligible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kirk says Verdun and he was negligible or fought at Verdun and he was negligible. And she and Spock interjects, no, she was not negligible. And Kirk just looks up and says, but I loved her. And Spock says, no woman was ever loved as much Jim, because no woman was ever offered the universe for love. And Spock leaves and Kirk just looks out the window forlorn again, knowing that everything Spock said was true. And now there's a giant hole in your heart after you read this because it's the the, the punch. <laughs> and it's a good story. Yeah. It, it, it's like, oh. Well, and it's back to that idea of, of what, right, what is the... Uh, you know, what is, what is the real reality? Right. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you know, would they have been better off if she lived? Right. So in the comic, in, in, in the original teleplay in the comic here, it just applies. She's a, a person of of almost pure goodness, right? She can inspire good in everyone. Mm -hmm. And what type of power would somebody that inspires good in everybody have? You don't know. I mean, it, unlimited amounts of goodness. Well, and I think the teleplay leaves it open, right? It doesn't yeah. say what her future would have been like. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Just that, just that she did, she, she made people around her better. The world a little better just being there. And so as she grew older, gained power, because it was clear she had, you know, she would give these talks and there was people there, right, to do the talks. Mm-hmm. 
and she had crowds every time she spoke and she even walked off of a pedestal basically last time she spoke. Right. Yeah. I mean, does she become mayor of New York? Does she exhibit power? I don't know what happens if she gains power. Does she, does she use it for all the good things or does she, Oh, maybe, maybe there's a totally different storyline, man. Who knows? She takes it to the different direction. I'm just joking. But we'll never know. So we have some notes back in the back of the book, but I think we're going to wrap probably on this. We go through those notes. By the way, there is a Star Trek Doctor Who reference in the notes, just so you know. I'm not insane when I say that. There is, huh? There is, because maybe I read them. Oh, look at you, Mr. Reading the Notes. Podcast preparation. Oh, podcast preparation. And uh, you read the notes and there you find, oh, hey, there it is. I mean, I, I didn't find it, but that's this is you saying. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about just the garbage can and how it looked like a... I'm just joking. <laughs> and Oscar the Gracha beard. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you could have. That would have been great. So I think that the, probably the neatest thing uh, we get here is we get this little piece of Harlan Ellison at the end in an afterword uh, just mentioning how what they did to go through this and looking at the paneling and how excited he was and that he cried when he saw the final comic, which is, is pretty cool. That is cool. Well, they were not the final. I guess they were looking at the panels, but yeah. So pretty neat stuff. Uh, pretty neat series. And what was your ta- major takeaways from this? Oh, my major takeaways from this, uh, like just it, it was such a well crafted piece of work. Um, the just the way that it was all married up and put together. I thoroughly enjoyed being able to read this in its entirety and then to see how it was um, just put together, you know, to be on the page because you, you take taking the teleplay, which was meant for the screen and then having, having the brothers uh, put their own spin on it in the sense, you know, okay, well, this is what it's going to, how it's going to break out. And then the artist um, just giving us these, great panels yeah i think the painted approach was the right approach oh yeah i mean there's some that i would just i if you could find a print of that i would be like yes that's a print i would love to have yeah if you find a print of this and you just like to give it to greg or i you can reach out to us at funny book forensics (laughs) that's funny book forensics on twitter and instagram and you can also reach out to us at funny book forensics on (laughs) the Facebook. We would love that. (laughs) But yeah, I think overall, I think the art choice was correct for what they were doing. And I think it makes it surreal enough too that you don't think you're watching the TV, right? They didn't, they painted the characters as if the characters are painted. They're obvious likenesses of the actual actors in the series, right? They didn't just like recreate the faces. Yeah. But when you're looking at it, uh, when you're looking at it, 
it doesn't give you the feel that you're watching the television show. No. I mean, like you said, the only thing that's that makes you go, oh, it's it's Star Trek from TV is that the characters are the characters that, you know, in that first in that first book. But everything else, I, I would say in the first couple pages of the book, when everything's kind of unpacking, uh, you you hit all your major players and then the rest of this, the rest of this series is what you get out of it a totally different thing i also think you could read this uh this book and never have watched star trek and oh, yeah. anything about it and still get a complete story yeah yeah oh yeah you don't even need you don't even need to have any any understanding of the it could just be a sci-fi story unto itself and let me be clear uh i'm not saying that you should not watch star trek I'm simply saying you could have read this without watching Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could thoroughly enjoy it with no previous knowledge, but it might actually spark you to want to watch more episodes. There are some great ones out there. And we're going to watch one next week, right? Oh, my gosh, I cannot wait. This is going to be so fun. To watch an episode, talk about it. Maybe some people will join us. Maybe our one our one listener. Now, the problem is this podcast is going to go up Hmm. after we watch the episode. Oh. So if you're listening to this, you missed your opportunity. Oh, no. Terrible. But that's okay because you can get the recorded version of the watch along. Yay. And it'll be posted for you. Yay. But and you we can watch along. Yeah, but we're going to have details on the watch along uh, on our Twitter feed. Yay. And oh, wait, are we going to live tweet while we talk? In our Instagram feed. Well, we'll have details to come. But that's if you missed it this time, that's why you should be following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Because then you get to find out amazing things about what we're doing on the podcast. And you get to join us. So we're actually going to watch a Star Trek episode called... Want to guess, Greg? Uh, city uh, on the edge of a river. That's exactly right. Uh, city on the edge of river song. Sweet. I it's knew I was close. Star Trek Doctor Who crossover. Yeah. Uh, from oh. April 6, 1967. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so it'll be City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, Star Trek original series. You can watch Star Trek on, I think, everything. I know Amazon Prime and Netflix both have it. Uh, so we'll be building a link in there. And Greg is going to put up some posts about when this watch along is going to happen. And yeah. so- I'm going to do some research. I'm going to get uh, figured out so that uh, when we I'll post up on on the social medias how we're going to watch it. So you can join and then, obviously, you missed it if you're listening to this now, but we'll start doing more of these in the future as time or topics allow. Nah. <laughs> or we're never doing it again, apparently. Because I was joking. I was joking. We- well, join us uh, with the watch along, and you can see the real live actors do the version of the script that won the Hugo Award as opposed to won the best script for the year. So, and you'll get to see really young Joan Collins. 
Whoa! This is going to be awesome. So we'll see which characters made the cut, which characters didn't make the cut, which storyline points made the cut, and which storyline points did Dan and Greg already spoil several times in the last three episodes. I spoiled nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, person of peace spoiling. I, uh-huh. That wasn't me. That was you. I only talked about Disneyland. That's fair. And the Superman ride, which is not at Disneyland. It is not Disneyland. You got to go to Great America? No. Oh, man. Six Flags. Six Flags. Magic Mountain. Are you having fun yet? Oh, I'm having a great time. Are you going to name every theme park that existed over the last 25 years, 30 years? Knott's Berry Farm. I almost called it Boonesbury Farm. That would, that would be the worst. That would be the Berry worst farm. amusement park ever. It is Boonesbury Farm. Boons, Boons farm and then send you on roller coasters. Oh my gosh. That would be the, that, uh, that would just be a horrible, horrible thing. You never want to go. Oh, no, Mm-mm. no, no, thank you. No, sir. Okay. That's fair. So with that said, uh, we are headed off uh, and ending another fine example of what podcasting it looks like. And so for all of our listeners, you definitely should hold this episode up as what, what would we say? Hold this episode up. This is the Bitcoin standard of all episodes of all other podcasts. If other podcasts aren't doing this, if they aren't bringing you something with a, like a lukewarm intro that isn't even about anything and, and then talking about their one viewer and, or one viewer, I keep saying that. And, and, and then, and then coming in cool, not hot, but cool into their podcast They're not doing it right. That's right. And then they argue amongst themselves later on in the podcast as to what they're talking about. And then one wants to destroy everything. And the other host wants to, one host wants to destroy everything. And one host wants to make everybody's day bright by riding a monorail, just like Scotty in real life and just say hi. Then, I mean, if your podcast, if your other podcast isn't doing that again, they're not doing it right. And so, friends, as the Snyderverse, as Darkseid, as Khan compels you. Oh, God. Thank you for listening to Funny Book Forensics. Thank you. Oh, I'm supposed to stop it now. Check us out on our Instagrams.